the uh, message I entitled today is called the gift of a priest. Now, let me talk a little bit about a concept that will lead you to the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. Uh, there are some gifts that we want. And so let me, let me find out for a moment real quick, where, where are my kids? How many kids are in here today? Where are my kids at? Right on. We got a whole crew over here. Nice. All right. So parents, here's the deal. Kids, you can put your hands down. Kids, I'm going to be talking to you as well. You're going to find me interesting for about three minutes and then you're going to go ahead and start drawing. So while I'm teaching parents, I'm going to be talking to them and hanging out with them and, and having a little bit of dialogue with them. So you're going to hear probably some words that you don't know. Okay. Um, that's just me talking with them. So, uh, kids, this is important to you too. Did anybody get anything good for Christmas? Did you guys get some good? Oh, nice. Good, good. What'd you get for Christmas? An iPad. An, uh, you got an iPad? All right. I'm not asking anybody else because now I'm depressed. I didn't get an iPad and I got, yeah, that, that just shut down the whole conversation right there. What are you going to get better than that? That's awesome. All right. Now there are gifts that you may want like an iPad and then there are gifts that you need, but you don't know you need them right now. Growing up, I didn't get an iPad. I got underwear. All right. Anybody got underwear this year? Yeah, right on a little bit of underwear. Okay. Now here's the thing. My mom knew that I needed underwear. I did not want underwear for Christmas. I thought that was lousy, but I found out later on very useful, very beneficial. So it was a good thing ultimately. Now there's sometimes that there are gifts to us that we certainly don't even know that we want. And when we get them, we open them up and we go, what in the world is this? Why would I even want this? And it's based on something that we don't have the information for yet. That's what happened 2000 years ago on Christmas. When Jesus was born, we opened up a package and out came a priest. Now, that would be really weird. If you had a package and you opened it up and out popped a guy with a white collar, that would be odd, would it not? It's not the same kind of priest, but we got something that we didn't know that we needed. And that was a priest. And let me tell you why. We need one. So let me give you a history lesson. Some of you already know this information. Others of you, this is brand new. In ancient Israel, which of course, uh, the Bible, the Jewish people, it's all based on Old Testament stuff, New Testament stuff. We're going thousands and thousands of years ago. In ancient Israel, there were three titles that were the big dogs of Israel. There were three things that you wanted to be able to do for a living that would make you super important. And you didn't get to necessarily pick to be one. Either you had to be born into it or God had to allow you to do it. And those three titles were prophets, priests, and kings. So we all know what a king is. And indeed, Jesus is a king. He was born into the kingly line, the royal line. He is a king. We know that. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the ultimate king that sits on the throne forever. We know that. In Israel, the king's job was to watch over and make sure that what God wanted to be done was done. The three most popular kings in all of Israel's history are the first one. His name was Saul. Then came the most popular one. His name was David. And then his son, the wisest man in the world, Solomon. Those three were the big kings during the massive monarchy period of Israel's history. 
But it wasn't just kings. There were some other cool titles that you could have. Another one was to be a prophet. A prophet in ancient Israel in a time when God was not talking to us like he does now. He does not move upon our hearts like he does now. When it was very quiet and everyone always had to wonder what God wanted from them. They didn't have the same scriptures that we have. It was a very quiet period. God would communicate to his people via prophets. Literally, he would download and give information to certain men and women. They would say, thus saith the Lord, and whatever came out next was literally God's word for the people. You can imagine how popular those folks were. Was Jesus the ultimate prophet? Certainly he was. Because he spoke as God. But there's a third title, a third job that was very cool to have, and that was that of a priest. An ancient priest was not like the priest that we know today. These priests had very special functions in how they took care of things. They were of all importance. They were a big deal. Now, if a king told everybody what God and enforced what God wanted, and if prophets told people what God's will was, the priest was to offer up on behalf of all the people their concerns, prayers, cries, fears up to God. They were the mediator, the intermediary, the middleman between people to God. So to be a priest was a big deal, but you couldn't just choose to be one. You had to be born into it. All priests and Levites, Levites are priest helpers, all those guys came through one family line that all came from one man. What was his name? Aaron. Aaron Aaron had a super famous brother. He parted the Red Sea. His name is Moses. We all know Moses, right? Ten Commandments movie. We all on it. All right, good. Moses was the one who brought down the Ten Commandments, and he's the one that talked with God. Well, his brother was the priest, and all the priests came down his line. And priests did some rather unusual things. See, there's a, there's a reason we needed a priest. And I'm not so sure we, even to this day, realize how much we need one. I think that if we got one, we wouldn't appreciate it. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them for connection, to be with them, for them to be his kids. He created them that they would talk with him and love him and be with him and pay attention to what he says, that he could guide them and lead them, provide for them. Laugh with them, joke with them, watch them when they sleep, protect them. And they chose something else. They chose themselves over God. That is the ultimate violation. When they did that, our relationship with God broke. We were no longer with God. Human nature, all of mankind ever since, has been separated from God. 
Some of you remember the famous painting in the Sistine Chapel of the hand, God's hand reaching out to man. You know that one, that famous painting where there's one big finger going one way and then the other guy's reaching, right? Why is that a big deal? Because it's talking about God reaching down to man. Why do we need that so badly? Because we're not okay with God. Just by nature of being a human, things are not okay. We needed someone to reconnect us. And it was never going to come from us. It had to come from the offended party. The fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you is this. Jesus gave us the gift of reconciliation. Jesus gave us the gift of reconciliation. What does reconciliation mean? Reconciliation means a relationship has been broken and it needs to be fixed. So kids, if you have a friend and your friend is super mean to you and you don't want to hang out with them anymore, you can't even be around them because it's bugging you. Somehow that has to be fixed. If that is fixed, it's called reconciliation. Jesus did that for us between us and God. That was the greatest present we could ever receive. But the reason why he had to be our priest is because priests did that in the Old Testament. Here's kind of how it would go. Let me explain a little bit more history for you. So God said, since we're broken and our relationship is not okay, I'm going to give you a temporary way to fix it. I'm going to give you a little something that you can do. It's going to be weird. It's going to be bizarre. You're not going to like it. It's super creepy and it's messy. But I'm going to give you a system by which we can be together at least for now. It's like an IOU system, down payment system. Here's what he said. He said, because we're broken, nothing can fix us except blood. Well, that seems really weird. What do you mean blood? The violation against God is so severe, someone's got to die. To pay for it. You do not offend an almighty God. You do not sin against the creator. And then just say it's cool. Because it's not cool. It's not okay. It's not fixed. It's not just going to be let go. Someone dies. God didn't want everybody to die. So he set up this really weird system. That in our place. An animal could die. How many animal lovers do we have? Anybody an animal lover out here? Alright parents too. Come on now. All right, good, good. So this whole part, this next part, I hate this part because I'm a super animal lover, right? Here's what happens. What he said was someone has to die. It won't be you. It'll be an animal. What I want you to do is if you have done something against God, I want you to select out either buy or pull out of your herds a perfect animal, goat, lamb, bull, something like that. I want you to bring it up. Go up to the priest, because he's the only one that can do this. You lay your hand on the animal's head as a symbol that you're guilty, and you're now passing it over to little cow guy. 
then the priest will kill the animal and offer as a sacrifice to God, then you'll be okay. Now that's really weird. I'm a super animal lover. My dog sleeps on my bed every night, right? My dog's name is Sammy. She's 13 and a half years old. She sits on there and every time I talk about this animal sacrifice, she knows because I'm always looking at her weird. I'm looking at her going, if we were in ancient Israel, buddy, you're out of here. Okay. So dog gets nervous. I get nervous. Anyway, it's a whole different story. Now, these priests would offer up these sacrifices and say, God, we're really sorry because of who we are and what we have done. Please accept this sacrifice as a temporary fix it that we might be okay because we're not. As time moved on, there became a building known as the temple. In the temple, God provided other ways along with the sacrifice to make us okay. See, a lot of us read the Bible and we think the Bible is either boring or the Bible is mean or there's all these different rules and regulations and all it does is tell me what I'm not supposed to do. That is incorrect. The whole Bible is a story of we broke it and God's fixing it. That's the Bible. We broke it and God, with every fiber of his being, will not leave it broken. Every page in scripture is how God is fixing it so that we can be okay again. So no matter where you turn, you can drop open any page. And it's a process by which God is fixing it. Because he will not leave us apart. In this building, there was an outer courtyard. In that outer courtyard were two important things. A huge wash basin, a big bronze bucket of water. The priests would go and they'd wash their hands there so they would be ceremonially clean. They'd wash their feet. They'd prepare. Then they'd step over to a big, enormous barbecue. A bronze altar that would be burning with fire. They would take the animal sacrifice, set it, portions of it on there. They would burn it up to God. But inside that courtyard was a special little building. In that building was called the holy place. Only priests could go into this place. As they'd walk in, they'd walk into a place with the walls covered with gold. There was a lampstand on one side. The lampstand talked about the eternal light of God in our lives. It would shimmer across the walls. There was a table of bread that was placed every day before God. Twelve loaves for the twelve tribes of Israel. There was an altar of incense, good-smelling, perfume-type stuff that they would light, and it would rise up like the prayers before God. At the end of that room was a curtain. On that curtain were two angels. Behind that curtain, of which no one could go but the high priest, the most important priest of all priests, one time a year, would walk through that curtain, and behind there was a gold box. The box we know is the Ark of the Covenant. On top of that box, God said, although nothing can contain me, 
My presence will dwell there. When you come once a year, come with respect and talk to me. Because I'm providing a way that we'll be okay. This is the background for the Christmas story. See, most of us think that the story all starts in a manger. It doesn't. There are four stories of Jesus' life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When Luke tells his story, the Christmas story begins with a priest. Not something that we normally would tie into. As a matter of fact, it was a priest by the name of Zechariah. Zechariah had a wife named Elizabeth, and he was chosen to go into that special room. As he walked in, he walked in with a heavy heart. He was supposed to walk in on behalf of all Israel. He walked in with a heavy heart for his wife because his wife couldn't have any children. His wife cried every day. He goes walking into that place thinking that he's going to do what every priest does and intercede for the people. And he begins to do his work. And there's a man standing there. Now, no one's allowed in there. So who's this guy? Shocked, he looks at the man. The man says, I'm an angel. My name is Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I heard your prayers. And I'm here to tell you, and they've been answered. Your wife will have a son. Immediately, Zechariah is thinking, what? I must be smelling too much incense. There's no way this guy is in here talking to me. And he starts questioning him. How in the world is that going to happen? It's never happened before. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. And the angel said, you know what? Shut your mouth. Every time you open your mouth, dumb things come out. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and zip it, and you're going to be mute for a number of months after this. Listen to me carefully. When I say your your wife will have a son, your wife will have a son. When he's born, name him John. John? I don't have anybody in my family named John. Why would I name him John? Trust me on this one. All right. He comes out of the temple. Everybody's waiting there. They've all been praying. They're like, man, you took forever. He's got nothing. They're like, well, what does that mean? They just move on, right? So sure enough, months later, his wife has a baby. They said, well, let's name him, I don't know, Zechariah or something. He asked for the pad of paper. Give me the pad of paper. Writes down, name him John. Hands it back. They're like, John, you don't have anybody in John. He's like, listen, listen, buddy, I have been mute for nine months now. So you know what? We're going to name him John. They name him John, instantly he can speak, and that was John the Baptist. One of the greatest evangelists of all time. One of the greatest prophets of all time. And he only came for one reason. A miraculous birth, an extraordinary life, and he came for one reason alone, and that was this. Here comes Christmas. A baby will be born, and he will save you from your sins. 
And the whole reason I came was to tell you one message. And that message is don't miss the meaning of Christmas. If you miss the baby, if you're caught up in everything else and you're running everywhere else, you're going to miss it. Kind of like going to a service like this. You're going to miss it because in that first Christmas when Jesus came here to earth, everything changed. So much so that he only sent, he sent one guy to do one thing. Scream out, don't miss Christmas. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 1. Page 841 in the Bibles handed to you. 841. Excuse me. It's not 841. Now that I've clarified the wrong number. It is 681. There we go. 681. Matthew 1 verse 20. 681. Matthew 120. You see, the animal system was only temporary. It was never enough. We need more than an animal. It had to be someone, but it had to be a perfect someone. We don't have any of those. I know that your sister thinks she is. Okay, she's not perfect. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're all in the same boat. We need a perfect person to die on our behalf, and we didn't have one. So God gave us one. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, down to this world that we might live. And this is his story. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, page 681, it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, that's Jesus' stepdad, in a dream. And he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God with us. And Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife End of verse 25, and she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Why is the name Emmanuel so important? Because it means God with us. That's important because God was not with us. Imagine if you got a present, and it didn't work with anything. When we got a priest, we needed a priest because God was not with us. I know so many of us are still locked in that mindset that, of course, God's with us. But he wasn't. Not until Jesus came. And then God was with us. Here's what's intriguing. Listen to these verses as I read them. Because Luke wants to keep emphasizing how important Jesus as our priest is. Listen to this. On the eighth day of Jesus' life here on earth, when it came time to circumcise Jesus, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. 
Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, and said, My eyes have seen your salvation. A light for revelation to the non-Jews. And for the glory to your people, Israel. There was also a prophetess, Anna. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. They took Jesus to the temple. And everyone in the temple said, here he is. Here is the one we've been waiting for. All of Israel knew that the only way that things would be right is when God sent his Messiah to take away our sins. They walk into the temple. People had been prepped waiting there. Why a temple? Well, I don't know, that's where priests hang out. Here's the other interesting thing. We only have one story of Jesus as a child. He was 12 years old. The only story we have before he turns 30. And where did his parents find him hanging out? In his father's house, better known as the temple. Because that's where priests hang out. Here's another interesting fact. Jesus started his three-year ministry with doing something where he loses his cool and starts getting really angry and strong and outwardly violent. And he ends his three-year ministry with doing the exact same thing. What does he do? He clears out the temple. Why? Because as the priest who knows what it's all about, he walks into his father's house, sees that they have made it something other than what it should be. They had selling stuff all over the place. They had made it a marketplace where they were ripping people off. They had made it about everything but reconnecting with God. He absolutely loses his calm demeanor, puts a whip together, starts whipping the animals to get them out, throws over the tables, knocks over all the money, and chases the people out. Because that's not what the temple's for. The temple is for connecting to God. He came to connect us to God. A lot of temple stuff. Here's the last piece of information that I find intriguing. Has anybody ever read the book Hebrews? Now, most of us spend all our time reading the New Testament. Because it's easier to understand than the Old Testament. That's unfortunate. Here in this church, what we try to do is balance out Old Testament and New Testament. A lot of next year will be all Old Testament. Why? To balance out the year of Revelation when we did all New Testament. But in the New Testament, there is a book that I would venture to say that most of us skip right over. It's a long one, too. 
It's one of the longer ones. It's called Hebrews. In that book, do you know what it says? We don't read it because it's really Jewish. It's really focused towards explaining to the Jewish people who Jesus was. And it starts going through Old Testament stuff. At about the third chapter on to the end, guess what it says? Jesus is our ultimate high priest. And he did something that we could never do for ourselves. He came down, and just like those old priests, he didn't walk through a handmade temple. He walked through heaven. And when he walked through, he was the perfect high priest. All the other high priests had to keep offering sacrifice over and over and over. And then they were regular guys, and they would die. Jesus lives forever. He intercedes for us every day, every moment, eternally, making sure that we're with God. He never gives up. It says we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand us because Jesus became man, walked in this world, suffered like we did, and even while he was here, would offer up prayers on our behalf with tears. We have a loving, powerful high priest. But then he did something unthinkable. As a high priest, perfect in every regard, he walked up to the altar of God. And he became the sacrifice. He laid down his life on the cross as the perfect sacrifice. That as we open our hearts... He trades his life for ours. He cleanses our sin and dies that we may never die. That's actually what Christmas is about. Some of us know that. The majority of us Know those facts. Here's my challenge to you. Live like it matters. My challenge to the rest of us is that God set this package with a priest sacrifice in it on your doorstep. Every time you come out of your door, you have to step over it to go to work. You have to step over it to go to school. And you step back over it to go back home. But it's there. You can't see it. But it's there. Why? Because Jesus came so you would be with God. I want you to be with God today. I want you to open up the package. And I want you to give your life to the Lord. There's a big price tag on it. It's called surrender. And I know that for most of us, that's the last thing we want to do. But if I'm in trouble, I'll do it willingly. If you don't think you're in trouble, you're never going to react to it. But some of you, God has whispered to. And he said, I made a way for you. I love you so much. 
that I will not allow you to be away from me one moment longer. You are my child and we will be together. I'm going to pray. And if that is something that moves upon your heart, I want you to connect in with what I'm praying about. Just in your own seat, in your own heart. Hear me as I pray for you and make this prayer yours. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would hear our cries. That, Lord, we want to be with you. We don't want to be away from you anymore, God. We know that no matter how hard we try to be good, just by the fact that we're regular humans, we can't do it. So we need you to pick us up and rescue us. We give our lives over to you. We admit that we have made a mess of what you gave us. That this life, we are not doing it perfect. We're not doing it right. And we're even willingly living like you don't matter. We're sorry. Save us, heal us, rescue us. For you are our God and our King. Sweep away our sin. Cleanse our hearts and make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.